A quick bonus bit of reading room action in your podcast feed this week to announce the release of a brand new MRI physics course on Radiopedia. And so joining me now, in addition to my always magnetic co-host, Frank Gaylard, (laughs) it's the author of this new course himself. It's Michael Nell. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew and Frank. It's lovely being inside the reading room. I love what you've done with the place. It's much bigger than I expected and the smell of leather-bound books and old fashions and pet goats, it's quite the combo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you know at our hospital, we have a yearly calendar where they convince consultants who don't back away quickly enough when the resident comes up to them to do something corny. One year I was uh, 50 shades of grey and it was me holding a microphone, a dictation <laughs> microphone. <laughs> anyway, in one of the issues, they convinced me to dress up as Magneto from the X-Men and pretend to have my helmet stuck to the magnet trying to rip it off. <laughs> yeah. It's it's quite the look. Like a fireman calendar. Is that what it is? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have most of my clothes on though. <laughs> this is priceless. Uh, Murph, who edits this, if you could please, please, please track down a picture <laughs> of well, Gaylord as Magneto straining against an MRI machine and put that in the video for us, that would be fantastic for people to enjoy around the world. <laughs> now, Michael, I've only just started to work my way through this new MRI physics course of yours in the last few days. And mate, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the perfect, I wish I had this when I was trying to learn MRI physics type of course, I reckon. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. I think that was the goal with the course is to make something that I wish I had when I was studying it for the first time. One of the main problems that people face when they learn MRI, especially for the first time, is knowing where exactly to start and then figuring out what's actually important. I don't know if you've been sitting in a a lecture room before and suddenly it was all making sense and then suddenly nothing made sense. (laughs) All the time. What's likely happened is either it's a boring talk and you've drifted off or you've crossed what's known as a threshold concept, a concept that you need in order to understand later concepts. What we've really focused on in this course is introducing a topic, summarizing that topic, and then asking very specific and strategic questions to ensure that those threshold concepts have been grasped before we move on to things that may be more challenging. I love that idea of threshold concepts. I hadn't heard that particular term before, but I can think of many in all sorts of other areas of medicine. But can you give me an example of one such specific threshold concept in MR physics? I can maybe give a short example about T1 and T2. I think this is something that most people get wrong the first time they learn When you place the patient inside the scanner, the main magnetic field is always on like Magneto Man found out with his helmet. (laughs) So they're lying in the scanner and the hydrogen protons will align with that main magnetic field in the longitudinal plane. And all of their little magnetic moments are going to add up to what's known as the net magnetization vector, which is lying directly along the bore of the scanner, the longitudinal axis. And we've got what we call full longitudinal net magnetization. And we apply a radio frequency pulse and that net magnetization vector then starts to flip into the transverse plane. As the spins start to process in phase, they resonate, become excited, and that magnetization vector gains transverse magnetization. And that process is simultaneous. We're simultaneously losing longitudinal magnetization as we're gaining transverse magnetization. It happens over the same period of time. But losing transverse magnetization and regaining longitudinal magnetization, they're largely independent processes from one another. And that's where people get confused. It doesn't happen Mm -hmm. over the same time period. 
they're actually separate processes. That transverse magnetization gets lost as the net magnetization vectors in the transverse plane become out of phase with one another. They cancel one another out and we get a rapid loss of transverse signal. That's what we measure with the receiver coils. And so that loss of transverse signal happens at a rate of T2 or T2 star. And, and it happens because of spins bumping into one another, spin-spin interaction, and because of differences in the local magnetic fields, local magnetic field inhomogeneities. But we haven't regained that longitudinal magnetization yet. They're still in the transverse plane. Slower and over time, the spins again will start to realign with the main magnetic field, or the net magnetization vector will start to realign with the main magnetic field and will regain longitudinal magnetization. Now, most people think it's the tipping from the transverse plane into the longitudinal plane that's causing that loss of transverse signal. It's not that. That's a threshold concept. Separating those processes out then has major implications for how your TE is going to affect your T2 weighting and your TR is going to affect your T1 weighting. Maybe that's a bit of a long tangent, but that's an example of a threshold concept. Well, Andrew, I can tell from the look on your face you, like me, are thinking, how are we managing to bluff our way through reporting MRs every day with barely any idea of what T1 and T2 is? You know what? I do remember this as being a threshold kind of moment when I was originally learning MRI physics because it took a while before I worked out that T1 relaxation and T2 relaxation are both happening at the same time, independent of each other. It's not as if you've got one or the other. You've yep. always got both. And it's the way you control your TR and your TE, which weights it one way or the other to showing more or less of one of those phenomenons in your image. And then obviously you've also got proton density. Exactly. And just a lazy 10 hours of video teaching is all it takes to learn these concepts. Is it, Michael? Yeah. If you can, if you can bear my voice for 10 hours, then uh, yeah, you'll be halfway there to, uh, to understanding some of the basic concepts. You might not know this, Michael, but I do teach a little uh, MRI physics at the start of a brain MRI <laughs> lecture that I give. Pineapple man. And it only takes me 20 minutes and a few pineapples to cover everything pretty much. So I'm not sure where you're going wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I deeply regret the lack of pineapples in my course. <laughs> One of the challenges is trying to figure out what you actually do include and what you don't. I found myself kind of coming back to a quote. I'm sure many people have heard the quote where someone said, I apologize for writing a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Yes. It's very tempting to start pulling on a thread and going down a rabbit hole and, and getting into the minutiae that don't actually move the needle that much. For me, it's understanding spin and NMR and things like relaxation and contrast weighting like we're talking about now and how we localize signal and the basic pulse sequences. Making sure that you understand those well first is of far greater value for someone learning MRI than trying to learn or rote learn the difference between, say, a multi-slice spin echo and fast spin echo imaging. That's really important, actually, Michael, because, I mean, my knowledge of MR physics is um, atrophied, I think. There's a bit of it left. I did quite a lot of it some time ago. In the late 1900s. But it has definitely informed the way that I report studies some of the times that I notice that I am better at interpreting studies is as a direct consequence of having better understanding of the physics. It's not so much just uh, the medicine aspect of it, but it's the artifacts and how that interacts, not just with images that don't look right, but how you correlate a particular histological feature to how it appears on MR, how blood product and how 
Flair gets upset by Flo and, mm. you know, all of these factors, if you don't have an intuition about the physics, I think that's much harder. And I think this course would be not not just the starting point, but even if this is all that you end up doing, this is a fantastic grounding to develop those intuitions for day-to-day reporting. Trying to understand the, the underlying physiological things that are, that are affecting signal. It's something that the more the more you go into it, the more it just seems like magic. Having the good foundations for core physics principles really helps you to figure out what you're actually reporting on rather than sentences that you've learned and repeated in reports uh, and not really knowing what that actually means. I'm glad you mentioned magic because I think it is magic how MRI works. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. So just to summarize, there's a lazy 10 hours of video teaching in this learning pathway. There are over 120 review questions. And what else does it come with, Frank? And of course, it also comes with AMA PRA Category 1 credits. No, credit, open bracket, S, close bracket, TM, in italics. <laughs> I actually can't, I can't believe it. I'm usually the one running around, hustling, trying to get the credits, staying up to date. And now we've made a course that's accredited. So it feels bizarre. Michael, I must say it's it's a real pleasure to work with educators like yourself who really embrace the idea of producing high quality teaching material and making it equitably available for everyone around the world. You know, for this course to be accessible globally at such an affordable price, we haven't mentioned the price, but it's very, very cheap, free for Radiopedia all access pass holders and free in 125 low and middle income countries. It really is something that you should be very proud of. And the cost per AMA PRA category one credit. It's crazy. It's it's the best. Michael, he's obsessed with these credits. <laughs> <laughs> ruled my life for three years now. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I, th- I think that's everything we wanted to mention here today. So we should probably chemical shift out of here and <laughs> let our listeners head over to radiopedia.org slash courses to check out Michael's learning pathways for themselves and to register. Uh, now, Gaylord, you and I will be back to regular programming next week. Mm-hmm. But until then, Michael, would you like to steal the honor <laughs> of Frank's, you know, stay rad sign off from him today? It uh, it would be a dream come true. I think uh, also before I sign off, I, it's been, thank you. It's been great working with you both. But also I've had a little peek behind the scenes of how ADP is working. And if you've made it to the end of this podcast on, on YouTube, you should subscribe to the radiology channel and also on whatever uh, app you're listening to, give them a five-star rating. What they're doing is incredible. You're <laughs> such a YouTuber, Michael. And then until next time, stay rad, everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stay rad, Michael. Stay rad. See you next week, Dixon. See you, mate. Thanks, Michael.